Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds. I am back. Richie is hosting today. With me is Matt. Welcome, Matt. We've got a great show for us, for the listeners today. Yeah, man. And uh, we have some big time call-ups we're waiting on. We're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. And uh, I think we're at the one-third mark. So... Yeah, we are. It's kind of We're exciting, getting, and I, I think it's I think it's time to really start. Like, I think r- this week is when we have to start going after players, uh, kind of get ahead of what is the incumbent, like the incumbent trade deadline, um, because it gets hectic real fast. Yes, I like your forecasting here. So for the listeners, we will be talking about trade pieces to go after if you're looking to make a push for the playoffs and possibly a championship. Or if you're in a keeper or dynasty league and you're not looking so hot, some players you might want to target for future pieces. Then we'll go over some recent promotions, single A to double A, double A to triple A, and some major league call-ups. And then we'll do some predictions on who we think is going to be next. Those are going to be the same guys we've been tooting our horn about for the last week or two. Um, But let's jump right in. Before we get into that, though, we have to talk about Bryce Miller, somebody we've been hesitant about on previous podcasts because he has a one pitch fastball that is phenomenal but he throws it almost all the time and we were worried about it and that happened when he gave up eight earned runs to the New York Yankees gave up a home run to your boy Aaron Judge what did you think of his start yesterday Matt I watched a good amount of it um I honestly I, I saw Judge's home run but outside of Judge's home run I was like you know unpacking still and I missed a lot of the actual action, but in and out of, you know, watching the game, what I saw was something that was alluded to on the athletics podcast the week before, which was hitters are not swinging at a slider. And I saw multiple at bats where he'd throw the slider two one one two two two, and the hitter, it almost looked like they knew what he was throwing. And I don't think it's that he's tipping his pitches. I think out of his hand, it is such a differentiating uh, movement slice that the hitter just knows it's hey like it's it's a sweeper you know like it's just gonna have a lot of break on it it's gonna be out of the zone they just don't swing and again that was brought up on the athletic and i'm sure they articulated that much better than i did but in game i saw that and i was like oh my gosh like that's concerning because you've been telling the league and reporters that i'm not going to throw my secondary stuff until i need to well now you need to the new york yankees went to town on his fastball and we knew it was going to happen and lastly, the, the thing I think is most important here is, is to remind ourselves he's been getting knocked for being a fastball-heavy pitcher. My big takeaway is if you want to be an ace, all of the aces that we really look at in today's current game, they are fastball-heavy. They're fastball-dominant pitches. You look at Garrett Cole, you look at Jacob deGrom, uh, you look at Corbin Burns. I know it's a cutter, but it's still a version of the fastball. These pitchers rely on the fastball. So I think there is a developmental opportunity for him to become a possible ace. The difference is he's going to have to figure out how to get outs now that the league knows how to hit the fastball. He's going to have to learn how to develop these pitches, much like the players I just mentioned um, learn to develop. You know, think about um, Scherzer's early years. Think about Cole's early years. Like they had the fastball, they had to learn how to pitch. So I do think we're going to see some ups and downs from Miller over the next couple of years. And it'll be interesting because he does play the Texas Rangers next, this Sunday, June 4th. And the Rangers have been up and down. I feel like they either get, they either put up a bunch of runs, like 5 to 10, or they strike out a lot and they put up an offer. 
and I feel like you get one or the other. So I'm curious to see what he does against them. It'll be interesting for sure. Let's move on now to some players to target, whether you're pushing for a championship or if you're starting to think about a rebuild. So Matt, we'll start with some players that you're targeting if you are sitting pretty in your league and you're looking to make a final push for that playoffs. Who are some players you're targeting? Yeah, I'm looking at a couple of injured guys or underperformers first off the bat. You know, if I'm winning and I have a little bit of a lead, I can give up an asset with the hope that I'm going to be acquiring a piece that may just push me over the top come August, September. Uh, first couple names, O'Neill Cruz. Obviously, O'Neill Cruz had the injury, played really well, I think, the first week and a half before he broke the ankle. We all know what we expected coming into the season, which was anywhere from a 210 to a 250 batting average and very potentially a 30 40. 30-30, 40-40 season, right? Those are lofty expectations, but we knew he had the potential to do it. I think you can still get him, um, especially in a redraft league, and you can probably get him pretty cheap if the team that you're trading with is kind of on that bubble of contention. Um, and at the same time, dynasty leagues, I would still be pursuing. I know it's probably hard. I would say no. I do roster him in a dynasty league, but you can always ask. Next name is Alec Manoa. You know, nickname on the show is Piggy. We love you, Manoa, but uh, that's your nickname. Um, I, I think the underperforming nature that he's shown this year is more in line with what I expected, especially after having him rostered myself for a year and a half. I do think he's better than this. I don't think he's a top 10 pitcher. I think he's probably top 30 fringe. Um, and I think we will see him eventually rebound this season. And if he doesn't, he will assumably wind up on the IL so that they can figure out his mechanics. Um, but I think the price right now is dropping every single week. And he's a guy I would be willing to go out and acquire. Um, you know, obviously pieces, it's going to be hard, but like Justin Steele's a name that first comes to mind. I would immediately flip Steele for Manoa, no questions asked. Similar players to that Steele kind of profile. Uh, other names that I really like, you know, you have DeGrom, obviously who's going to be coming back here in a few weeks. That's going to be a little bit higher price tag, but maybe again, you have an owner that is um, underperforming. Uh, George Springer, always nice. You are going to be incurring an IL stint there. Trey Turner is underperforming. You might be able to buy since the shortstop market is so deep. I think that the price point for shortstops this season, especially elite level ones, are going to be a little bit lower than other positions. Um, Verlander, obviously right now, who's had you know high underperformance uh, coming back off the IL. But question is, will those owners even consider moving him because they're going to be taking a discount on that? And then the last player, I think I am last two players I'm really targeting, uh, Jack Flaherty. I think we're starting to see a turnaround. I think his price is still moderate to low. I would just take the flyer on him and hope that he becomes the Cardinals ace. Somebody has to. And then last name I, I really like is Glasnow. Uh, I think Glasnow oh, came out and showed that he still has the stuff. Um, and I think he's worth taking that risk to push you over the top. I like the list you have there. And when we're going through the rundown, I think I misinterpreted what this exercise is going to be. So my list is slightly different. Um, so it almost takes me out of this contention. But I did want to talk about Piggy because I think if I'm making a push, he's somebody I want to stay away from because whatever I have to give up, I have to let him sit on my bench until I figure it out. So he's not really helping me. I feel like he's more of if you're out of contention you try to acquire him and give up pieces and hope that you bought low on a dynasty prospect dish pitcher i mean he's not prospect anymore but 
somebody who can turn it around for future years for you, not necessarily this year. L.A. De La Cruz walk-off home run. Just had to throw that out there. Oh, the one thing we forgot to mention is T.J. Friedel today left <laughs> the Cincinnati um, Red Sox game with left hamstring tightness. They're already starting Will Benson, who's yeah, hitting dude, under I... 100. <laughs> under 100. What are the Reds doing? Bring we'll, get there, we'll get Cruz. there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Keep going. Yeah, keep we're going. Here, we're getting ahead. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Sorry. Can you tell that? Matt we're very are, excited. We're, <laughs> we're like two high school versions, like on prom night. Yes, we're very excited and very eager. <laughs> Don't pop your cherry. Yeah, too soon, yeah, Matt. yeah. Get the get the washcloth out. Um, one name I did want to mention that you could probably get fairly cheap is Manny Machado, currently injured with a broken, slight broken That's wrist, going. but he's been underperforming. I think you can get him fairly cheap as an owner. I'm honestly concerned that he's not going to provide round two value and maybe not even round three or four value. So you could probably get him for round five value. Whoever's listening in our league, I'm not trading you, Machado, because I gave up Josh Young, and he's been on fire. So I'm, I am have to ride this this wave out till the end of the season, so don't come asking. Um, and then the other thing, Justin Verlander had a horrible start against the Colorado Rockies, gave up six earned runs. He's got another tough matchup Friday against the Toronto Blue Jays. If what I think he's going to have a subpar outing against the Toronto Blue Jays. They're starting to heat up. If and when he does have a bad outing that's the time you strike on justin verlander literally the day after is the day i'd be going for justin verlander if you are looking to make a push um all said and done um yeah i think that's the only takes i have matt let's move to some players that you are looking to acquire if you're out of the running and you're looking for the future yeah, I've got a lot of names. I'm just going to kind of shoot them out there. Uh, I've listed just a few on the rundown. Uh, Matt McClain, really like what he's doing with the Reds right now. I think it was, as we talk about the Reds in a little bit here on the show, we can kind of dive into that a little bit more. CES, again, another Red. We'll talk about him later. Hunter Brown's a big one. That's a trade you and I made. Um, you've been very high on him. I've kind of been lukewarm. We kind of joked before the show, I didn't really actually know what I was acquiring. You knew darn well what you were what you were giving up. Um, you know, Athletic had a nice little piece on him today on the, the prospect rundown. I think he's a name where you can still trade for him because the perception I don't think is that he has gotten the same um, traction that Manoa did as Manoa was hitting kind of this point last year. And obviously Manoa had more time, but Manoa really shot up these boards in the top 20s and the top 15s really fast. I don't think Brown has done that, nor do I think Brown necessarily is ready to be a top 20 guy. I think he has the potential in the future. So I really like him. You think he's a top 10? I think he's already, yeah, I think he's a top top. Between top 10 and 20. I, I put him in the way you view Joe Ryan right now is how I view Hunter Brown. I think that's a good. Okay. Not, they have different profiles. But sure. Like as far as I get young guns with where they're ranked right now, that's, I think he's this year's Joe Ryan. Okay. Yeah, I respect that. I, you know, I want to see more. Um, but that rolls right into my next name, which is Michael Kopech. And, man, he, he's so hard to understand and watching him over the last couple of years, having him been on my roster on and off for two years now, I've seen the elite level skill set that would encourage me to think he's a top 20 pitcher. Um, you know, similar to what we just talked about with Brown and, and Ryan. He doesn't have the secondary stuff on a regular basis, though, that ever makes me believe that he's truly going to figure it out. But you look at the last three performances, he had 10 strikeouts uh, yesterday. 
did give up some runs, more home runs. Home runs have been a problem, very similar to Garrett Cole. I'm I'm going out and getting him in dynasty leagues. Um, I think if he can just really work on the secondary stuff and he can just get one pitch, the slider to be even plus, I think you're talking about a guy that could rise into easy top 30, possibly top 20 next year and moving forward. The question is where his early uh, struggles this season was his lack of control. Was it because of the knee surgery? Something that I didn't even really think about until the last couple of weeks. Uh, next couple names, Mackenzie Gore has been nice. Gilbert's been really nice. Gilbert's going to be a, probably the highest price tag on this list. Uh, those are the big names that I am targeting right now. The one thing I want to note with Michael Kopech, it was an interesting um, take I saw on Twitter, was over the last three games, Michael Kopech's release point has dropped from six inches, or no, six feet, sorry, to about 5.6, 5.7 feet. And it's lowered his slot angle, which makes his fastball look like more of a rise rather than what it has in the previous. So there, that could be contributing to his last few performances. Is that um, extension? He's, he's extending less or he's extending more? No, like where he's releasing the ball. Like it's not as high. So it's Oh, like, I get what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, like so he's, he's dropped it just enough. Lower. Okay, yeah. okay. But I'm just looking at the last one against the Angels. And it rose back up to 5.9. So he had that those three good starts, and he dropped it low, like to 5.6, 5.7. Well, if you think about now, like I'm I'm competent to Garrett Cole because I he's a very similar pitcher, um, and in the younger younger Garrett Cole, right? Not not the Garrett Cole we've seen over the last four years, even though he has had home run issues. But I am going to relate him to the release that Cole has and has had for the last couple of years. Cole has a high release. You know, the ball is coming straight down. And I've said to you often, I've said on air, Cole has a very, very straight fastball. It's his pro- it's a problem. Um, the only thing that saves him is that he throws it 97 to 99. And Kopech pitching similarly, similar release points could have the same problem. So he, I, I think your point is spot on with that. He needs to lower it. You know, he needs to get, change the arm angle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think him toying, I don't know if he's doing it intentional or not, but if he's making tweaks like this, um, it could pay dividends for him for sure. So we will see. What do you think of Gore in Dynasty? No, I think very similar to, to uh, Kopech, he's be, when he's beat up on teams, it's been bad teams this year. Um, but you look at this past weekend, seven innings, 11 strikeouts, even though it was against the Royals, for me at least it showcases that, at the ability to go out there and do that. You know, with Mackenzie Gore, I've always liked his stuff. It's always been a matter of control. And I'm just pulling it up, and it looks like outside of his start on the 23rd against the Padres, he had four walks. I look at all the other games. Um, 28th, his most recent one, where he had 11 strikeouts, one walk. Then the ones previous, we skipped the Padres one. Two walks against the Marlins on the 17th. Two walks against the Mets on the 12th. One walk against the Diamondbacks on the 6th. And then two against the Chicago Cubs on May 1st. So I like what I'm seeing as far as his command goes. It's, yeah, I mean, he's trending up for sure. I don't know. I know you like him a lot. And I, the, with you struggling to get there with Hunter Brown, that's me struggling to get there with Mackenzie Gore. It's probably the best way I can put it. I also think you put Mackenzie Gore on the Astros. We have a completely different perception of Mackenzie Gore. Um, 
decent ballpark, right? You put him on the Yankees, I think he's going to have trouble. I think it's just how it is. Like, you you can't put him in a bad ballpark. Because he's on the Nationals, he doesn't have run support. He doesn't have confidence to throw pitches, to throw strikes, excuse me. And and I've watched a lot of his starts this year because I like him. Not, Not even from a fantasy perspective. I just genuinely like watching him pitch. And he really is falling into that anti-Bryce Miller um, concept in some of his starts where it's like he really nibbles because he's trying to be almost perfect. And I think a lot of that is because he's on a terrible team. And I well, this game against the Royals, he just flat out went after people. And it's like, well, of course you can go after him. You know, you, you're playing the Royals. Like, you just got to dodge Jenny P and Salvador Perez and then you're good. Yeah, and like I, I think it's a confidence thing. Um, so I'm really interested to watch as that develops if the command goes down. Because hearing Bryce Miller talk about um, his minor league experience this year and how they told him, don't worry about your ERA, just throw strikes. Just throw it down, right down the middle of the plate. And how his command has really translated to the major leagues pretty well. Though this past game, I did see some wildness in him. Um, it's an interesting tactic that they chose to do in the minors. And I'm like, I'm wondering how much of an impact and a benefit that will be for Miller. And if more teams end up doing that, because Gore could have really used that in San Diego. Just go out and throw strikes. Screw the yeah, ERA. Just need to get experience. You yeah. Know? Um, I do have an update for you. I don't know if you've seen this, but Riley Green was removed from today's start. He tweaked his leg. Um, he got taken out, and he's getting imaging to see how severe it's going to be. So Oof. that could be huge. Man, alligator came re- on the field and bit his leg off? Sorry, Reed. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, that's, okay, a, that, that's a that's a big-time uh, blunder on my part, dropping Riley Green right before the Riley Green breakout. Uh, hey, hey, it happens. happens. It happens. You know, you, know, you got to just... Bite the dust and move on. I'm still healing was, from my Josh Young trade, but yeah, you know, I yeah. think uh, I think it'll be all things said and done by the end of the season. Manny Machado comes back if he can provide decent. We'll, well right. and we I mean we have guys coming up, right? We have uh, we have the kid for the the uh, Tigers. His name eludes me right now. Um, can you think of who I'm talking about? The Justin Henry Malloy. No, he's right else? underneath him. He's in Double A. Uh, Athletic did a nice little article on him this week as well. Um, Point point being, Keith, Are you thinking, Keith Cole. Oh, Colt Keith. Colt Keith, thank you. Yep. Yeah, but he's more of a defensive guy to me, and he hits more for, I believe he hits more for average and not so much power. He's got nine home runs in double-A. You know, he's he's developing. Um, you have some... Well, he's not known for his power. I should say his his prospect report isn't known. Now i got to pull it up. I, well, while you're pulling it up, I'm just going to go out here and say I'm done done with prospect reports. Um, I think they're underselling power. I do not think they are properly updating them in season. Oh, absolutely not. Those are all preseason. You're not going to get updates well, on those. And what's frustrating is you even see the, like you, I think Ronnie Mauricio is the perfect example of this. Oh, um, with his hit tool? With everything he has. I mean, his hit tool can probably go up 10. His power needs to go up 10. Ronnie Mauricio has 70 grade power to me. And I think they have them listed at 55 or 60 or 65. It's disrespectful because that 70 tier is where you start seeing the elite potential. And I just don't understand fully why we're not in season week to week starting to change these things. Now, obviously, you know, guys, you and I don't work for these prospect yeah, it, obviously. it's just, I guess point being is I'm, I'm just done. I'm done looking at those as my indicator. I, I'm starting to really watch trends and I'm, I'm pulling videotape up on Twitter is what I'm doing now. Um, and I just watched the LA de la Cruz home run and it was another absolute nuke. And it's like, yeah, he's got 
70 grade power, right? Um, you look at CES with his power. It's like, you know, when he doesn't necessarily jump off the bat, but when he's hitting it 50 feet past the wall, you're like, yeah, the guy has, he has power. Um, <clears throat> so that, that would be my recommendation to, to everyone out there that's listening. Like utilize Twitter. That's the best place for you to gauge an actual player's ability and then to, you know, cross-reference that with their numbers. I mean, I personally I like Instagram because uh, you just get all the videos rather than filtering through the feeds, but Twitter is good too. Um, it just comes down to personal preference. Yeah. So... Um, not to cut you off again, but Colt Keith does get decent ranks on MLB Pipeline. He has a 55 hit, 55 power. Yeah, that sounds right. I think I was thinking of his running ability at 45. So that's my mistake. I will I will take the lumps there. Um, well, still not. You know, it's average, not above. I mean, think anything 60 and above, I think, is above average. The reason I brought 50, it up though, 55 is average. Yeah, go ahead. You have him and you have Mayo. Um, and then you got the kid for the Brewers, I think, in low A right now as well. You got a couple of names that I'm like following and watching that are probably two years away from being fantasy starters. You know, I, I could see Keith being up, honestly, this year. That's crazy. But I, I think he might not honestly pass the kid you just talk, talked about, Malloy uh, or Mallory, whatever, however we pronounce it. Um, I think Mayo's probably up next year. The problem with Mayo is where do you play him? That infield is already basically penciled in for the next five years. Mayo's going to kick one of those guys make out. Some trades. They have to. I think <clears throat> they're going to trade for some arm talent. They're going to have to. Mayo is somebody cheap. Incredible. Somebody who's cheap who's got two years left, and they're selling. So they'll trade for Paul Blackburn from the A's. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, let's, but let's just let's talk about them real quick. Like, we have Westberg, right? Westberg's either going to play short and Gunner's going to go to third, or Westberg's going to play third and Gunner's going to stay at short. You have Jackson coming up soon. Like, we he's coming up fast. He'll probably be here June next of next year, year right? Yeah. Like, but we have to think about that as an equation here. And my guess is he's playing short. Um, I think he's the best of all of them, and it's not even a question. So you're going to put your best player at the premium position. So that immediately slides Westberg over to first, but Mountcastle is their first baseman. So they do, is Mountcastle the guy, right? And then if Gunner's at third, where does Mayo play? Is Mayo only a DH, or do they slide Mayo to right field? And if they are going to slide him to right field, do it now. There's just so many questions, and Mayo being 6'5", 230, I think is what he's listed at, like, is he a body type that fits out in the outfield? Um, he's also young, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of swing and miss. So he could be a guy that's down for two years and develops, but they have a lot of good position players. They need to go out and acquire pitching. Yeah. It, and then you didn't even talk about Jordan Westberg, who's known for his power, and he's on the cusp of coming up too. Um, I mean, he's killing it too. Yeah, that's who I was referring to. I probably, I probably said his name wrong, but he hit his 14th home run today. Yeah, um, Colton, Cow Colton Kowser, right? Like we know where there's going to yeah. be an outfield spot for him. Uh, so you have Colton Kowser, you have Cedric Mullins, who's their third right now. It is Hayes and probably Mountcastle in a platoon. If you need to move Mountcastle off first, Did like you say Mullins and Santander already. Well, I'm thinking I feel like we talk about this. this we talk about this almost every, every week. Um, and this is something I think I, I want us to do this off season was kind of break down these rosters because, had we done this this past offseason, we would have ran it. We would have saw this problem kind of, you know, butting its ugly head. Um, and I, I think you're right. Like they have to go get pitching. Like they they don't have a choice. 
Yeah, no, I agree. All right, enough of the Orioles. Let's talk about some recent promotions. And the first one is AJ Smith Shaver. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He at today got uh, promoted to the Atlanta Braves. He started the season at high A, moved to double A. Then he went to triple A, was killing it. He had a great performance tonight. I saw it. I'm trying to pull it up. And, of course, nothing's loading. Uh, tonight, he, or maybe it wasn't tonight, but last outing, seven innings, four hits, two earned runs, three walks, eight strikeouts. I mean, he's dominating at every single level. And I think you found something earlier that comped him to their own Spencer Strider. Matt, you got any more information on that? Yeah, it's a Twitter account that I follow that's pretty deep into um, like daily and hourly updates for these minor leaguers. They do their own prospect sheet. And just overall, I, I really enjoy the account. Um, but I'll read it for you tweet for tweet. Um, AJ Smith, Sauver. Are we going with Sauver? Is that how we're going to pronounce it? What is it? That was Shaver. 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 Yeah. Yes, it is Shaver. You're right. So AJ Smith Shaver is so easy to compare to Strider with his arsenal. It seems the Braves are thinking the same. He'll likely slot into their pen just when the Braves aggressively called. Just like when the Braves aggressively called up uh, Strider. If the results are there, then he'll be in the rotation later in the season. And you know, I've watched a few of his highlight tapes on Twitter, and great command with the fastball. Um, it's a little straight. Don't love that. But Strider's is very straight, too. Uh, command is good. Uh, stretch is similar to Strider's. He you know, really utilizes his lower half. I haven't really seen his secondary stuff, though. So that's what I'm going to be looking for in his relief appearances. We saw it right off the bat last year with Strider. Um, we could, you know, two-pitch monster right off the bat. We knew that. And we were just wondering, was the opportunity going to be there? And what happens if he doesn't have a third? Well, answer, it answered itself. Um, I just want to remind everyone this kid's 20. Like, we we need to see him at the major league level, and they're also going to be very careful with innings. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one, and I think I'm ready to buy into this guy a little too late because you grabbed him over a month ago, and that is Junior Caminero. He has been promoted from high A to double A. He was mashing 356 with 11 home runs in only 36 games since being called up to single A. Um, I mean, he's got massive upside. He's only 19 years old, doesn't turn 20 until July 5th. They have him listed at 6'1", 157, but I think he's grown into his frame more. I don't think he's 157. What do you think? I mean, Matt, you've got to be all over this guy, so I'm going to let you take it away yeah i put him i mean he's he's definitely put on weight um it's hard he he wears he he literally looks like a ronald Acuna jr out out there with the way he has the unbuttoned shirt he's got the the gold chains and the big gold chains so you know so he, the, he'll get signed for 80 mil eight year extension <laughs> when he's still in minors to get locked he could. up <laughs> i mean now he did not have swing and miss approach um coming into into high a this season we started to see a lot of the strikeout issues at high A, but it was paired with a 350 average and 11 home runs. And he has prodigious power. I mean, I think three, four, five of his 11 home runs were to right field, and they were no doubters. Really like to see that from a young player. I think there's a possibility that the Rays wanted him to just be more aggressive, and maybe that's why he's swinging more. But the number one thing I'm looking at at double A is what is his approach? What did the walks to strikeouts look like? How many strikeouts and what's his percentage of strikeouts? Because in order for him to be a useful player 
um, or even, you know, I would say a superstar, but even a useful player is to make sure that he's coming up with the ability to like maintain that strikeout right under 30. And I think it was sitting right around 30 in high A. Uh, but again, the production was there. So we never really know what the organization is telling these guys to work on. I want to see the results that we saw in low A start to creep its way back up before he gets a promotion. He is also due to make the 40-man roster because of the trade from Cleveland. Yes, the Guardians did trade probably their best hitter outside of Jose Ramirez, and he's 19. Um, that was a mistake. Yikes. But uh, there, there is going to be quick development here because he will be on the 40-man roster after this season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The next name we have on our list is Marcelo Meyer, the shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. He was the first uh, round draft pick for them in 2021, fourth overall, 20 years old. He was hitting 290 with seven home runs. I'm trying to look, he had 17 walks at 37 strikeouts. I think he's more so known for his defense ability than he is for his hitting and power, but still great overall prospect. I think it was past due for him to get moved to double A. So I think it was um, it was time. Yeah, and you look at Jordan Lawler's um, lack of production this season and struggles with batting average and the strikeouts. It's curious because they were in the same draft together. Red Sox obviously choose to keep uh, Marcelo Meyer down longer and allowing him to develop and have some really good success, and now they're putting him in double A. It'll be interesting to see these two paired together over the next year and to see does Meyer actually beat Lawler to the major leagues because possibly Lawler having to go back down to high A if he continues to struggle. You know, this development for these two will be very interesting. I still have more power potential from Lawler, more fantasy potential from Lawler. I think Marcelo Meyer is going to be a very good big league player. I would comp him more to the profile of Xander Bogarts, um, which is useful. And he will take him time to become that 2020 guy. You know who Jordan Lawler reminds me of? Um, Dansby Swanson. I don't know why. But anyways, he's betting 190 in double A. Yeah, it's not good. Um, yeah. At this point, he's starting to look like Willie Adamas for me. Um, he has prodigious power at times. He hit a ball for her in 71 feet two weeks ago. Uh, it, it went into the parking lot of like the Costco behind them. Um, <laughs> and it was like, okay, so that's really encouraging. But when you're batting 190 with the strikeout rate that he has, like something's going wrong. And the Diamondbacks did come out this week and say, we are emphasizing him hitting the ball to right field. Does that maybe lead to like, there, there's, a, there's questions. Um, and we have a lot of baseball left. So he could easily turn it around, but we will monitor that. The next name we have on our list is another prospect that you roster, <clears throat> excuse me, and that is uh, James Wood got promoted from high A to double A. His overall numbers, um, 293 batting average at high A with eight home runs, but it's skewed because he started off the season really slow and then he turned it on as of late, I'm trying to pick up in his last 10 games. Oh, he's cooled off since the last time we, we looked at him. He's only batting... Um, let's see. He's only been in 125 in his last 10 games. So he's kind of cooled off a little bit here, but you're very encouraged by him though, with the power starting to roll on in here. What yeah. Think, he, Matt? he had a very good beginning of the week last week, and then he was promoted double a, I think that he has played, I want to see two games in double a now. So maybe, maybe three. So I'm sure that's probably affecting the average. Um, I like to give these guys a month really before I kick the rocks on what they're doing at the, the next level especially once they hit double A because it is such a big jump. 
and Wood struggled out of the gate this year to put up power numbers, um, averages, just you know, pun intended, average. Um, body type though is still very young. He has a lot of muscle to put onto this frame. And I, I think as we start to see that, we're going to start to see an explosion of power because he has the natural raw talent and power already. Um, but I, I think that as he starts to get into the higher levels, I think that conditioning will start to be more of an emphasis and it's hard to really comp him out right now. I, I think, I think he's probably going to be anywhere from a 15 to 20 home run first year player. And by the time we're seeing year three, year four, I think we could be talking a guy that's hitting 280, 30 home runs every single season. Yeah, it's crazy. It's hard to project these guys because they could just fall off at any level. But that's why you got to take the pedigree. Let's move on. Oh, yeah. God. Let's move on to another player that you roster, although it's a different type of change. It's going from <laughs> MLB to the AAA, and that is Brandon Fott. And he was her, he's been horrendous. Horrendous. So far. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've talked about him in the past and how it, his confidence just gets shook as soon as he gives up a crazy hit or a home run and he just unravels from there. I think this is the best thing for him to just get back to the basics learn to keep his confidence intact even if he gives up a home run just to get back out there and just target the strike zone that's just my initial take I don't think it's long before we see him back up in the majors yeah and you know we have to remind ourselves that these kids are young and at the end of the day there's going to be a learning curve and it was interesting I watched an interview on um, Michael Harris Jr. last night ranking his Mount Rushmore of Braves, and he struggled after Jones, Aaron, and Smoltz. And I'm like, to me, it's pretty obviously Greg Maddox, like without question. And so I wanted to go a little bit deeper and look at what Maddox did for the Braves over his stretch. And then I looked at what Glavin did, and I looked at what Smoltz did. It was really interesting. Like Glavin and Maddox were awful their rookie seasons. Now Maddox was with the Cubs, so I, I will put that in there. He did sign with the Braves, I think, at 27, uh, 26 or 27. But the point is, these pitchers are not always just absolute superstars out of the gates. And I'll just bring up another name to kind of reference here. Uh, 2009, Arizona Diamondbacks, same team. Um, in 30 games and 30 starts, Max Scherzer had a 4-1-2 ERA. Wasn't great, wasn't terrible, but they gave him 30 starts. I think the hard thing that we're seeing with Fott in the next name we're about to talk about is they're on teams that cannot afford to have blow-up starts. They can't give them a full season to really kind of settle in and develop. So I do think the demotion is probably what's best for him, hoping that he comes up uh, later in the season and can actually provide an impact. Yeah, and that's that's one thing that we have to keep reminding ourselves that they are still learning. The next one, as you said, that can't afford losses is the Baltimore Orioles with Grayson Rodriguez. He's been sent back down to triple A. He was doing horrible as well. A 7.35 ERA in 10 games that he played. 45 and a third innings. 56 strikeouts. So the strikeout rate was there, but he did give up 21 walks. It's pretty much a walk every other inning. Um, I think he just needs to work on his control and just finding a feel for his pitches and his command. And I think we'll see him back as soon as he figures it out. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there was, um, again, referencing the athletic today, there is word that he was tipping his pitches. 
Um, you have to probably jump on Twitter and, and look up for yourselves as the listening audience here. But if that is the case, that would probably lead us to understand why he had such a bad start to his season. But the same thing with Fott. Get him down. Get him back to the basics. You know, kind of get the, the, the film out there. See if the coaching staff can see what he's tipping. And maybe they did. And that's why they're sending him down. Um, also, though, this doesn't hurt. You know, they can't afford losses. And they also can't afford service time manipulation. So if this means that he stays down and it saves service time moving forward, that's it's a win-win for both parties. He's just not performing. Yeah. I, I mean, you know how I feel about Grayson Rodriguez. I just had a bad feeling about him at the beginning of the year. And my categories draft, he was available around pick 200, and you were pushing for me to take him, take him, take him. I think I ended up going Patrick Sandoval over him, if my memory serves me right, and that is looking like the better move right now. Um We'll see how it ends at the end of the season, but I'm lucky I stuck with my gut there. I think that's all we have as far as promotions that have been made in the past week or so. There are a couple that could still be happening. We forecasted it earlier with TJ Friedel being injured and Will Benson hitting well below 100. He did. Will Benson did have a triple today, so I don't know if that puts him over. And a single. He had two hits today. Oh, he did have a single. So, yeah, that's enough to keep Ellie down for another month. So, <laughs> <laughs> all jokes aside, though, we were talking off the air, and it's most likely, I mean, the realistic thing, if you're Reds management, you bring them up on Friday. They have a homestand against the Milwaukee Brewers, who I think last time I checked, are sitting in first place of the NL Central, same division as the Cincinnati Reds. You bring up Ellie De La Cruz, you get the fans going, they're going to be sh- shouting, you have them go up against the, the division leaders right now, you win that series, and it jumpstarts that whole ball club. I even mentioned you bring up Andrew Abbott to pitch against one of them because outside of Hunter Green, uh, Nicola Dolo's injured, um, I can't even think of the rotation. Ben Lively, who I'm streaming this year, is in the rotation. Who else am I forgetting, Matt? Luke Weaver, they're starting. Like, you could use some help. Andrew Abbott Williamson. phenomenal. Yeah, Brandon Williamson, he's been horrible. Um, Andrew Abbott, he has a strikeout rate. I know the walks and command are a concern, but, I mean, he's got to be better than at least your four or five that are in your rotation as it sits right now. I, I don't know if they bring up CES. I know they said they want to see him walk more, but on the broadcast today, they did mention that CES walked twice tonight, um, and he had walked like twice in the past month, so maybe he's working on being more patient so he can get called up. But you also mentioned he's not on the 40-man roster, so that could be a hurdle for him as well. Do you think we see Ellie De La Cruz on Friday, Matt? After tonight... <laughs> It was 432 feet to, we'll call it, you know, right center uh, walk-off home run. He is on this incredible tear over the last month, all of May. He's been he's been fantastic. He's risen his entire stat, his season stat line to a point where you look at it and you're like, oh wow, he's a good player. Because a month ago we were like, damn, Ellie's struggling off coming back from the injury. Um, and I'm a really big believer. Now again, I'm not a general manager, but I'm a really big believer in not wasting momentum for young guys. We see it a lot out of spring training where they'll send them down. We saw that with CES this year, right? Incredible spring, send him down, continue to be incredible, and then has kind of not struggled a little bit, but he's cooled off. 
And I think when these players are playing at this kind of level, like promoting them is literally a promotion. Like you're rewarding them for what they've been doing for them following the guidelines that the team has set in place. For, for Ellie De La Cruz, it was lowering his strikeout weight, right, uh, rate. It was incur- um, improving his walk rate. He's done all of that. Sure, there's still work to be done, but this Reds team needs an impact. And if you don't promote him now and you wait till the 18th, which is June 18th, maybe the 17th, um, it's, it's, this, it's a weekend series against the Rockies. That's the next home series after they're done with the Brewers you risk the chance that he gets a little pissed off, that he's a little annoyed. I've done all of this. I've done everything you asked, and I, yet I'm still stuck here in AAA when I clearly don't belong. Um, so that's something very curious to monitor, how the Reds choose to play that. I think CES at any point should be brought up. I think his development in the minor leagues is probably done. Like We know at this point there's going to be strikeout issues. He's got prodigious power. You can develop a patience at the major league level, because you're not trying to, you know, win every single game. And Abbott tonight, seven innings, eight strikeouts, um, really nice performance, uh, no walks. So I, he's ready as well. You know, these three players are ready to come up and provide impact immediately. And I think every week that they choose not to bring them up, they're losing momentum. Yeah, we need to find out when that Super 2 date is, because whenever it is, they're going to be all up, <laughs> like, two days after that happens, for sure. Um, okay. Outside of the Reds that we beat down every single week on this podcast, if you haven't listened already, go and get one of these three guys, if not all of them, if possible. I would prioritize Ellie De La Cruz as a one, a distant one over the other two. Then I'd probably go Andrew Abbott and then CES. Would you agree, Matt? Is that the order you'd be prioritizing them? Yeah, and and again... I've been encouraged. I encouraged you this past week at a, you know, almost a detriment to go pick up Ellie. Um, again, different league. You're playing with kindergartners. Um, <laughs> but uh, if Ellie is in, in your league, you, you pick him up right now. I, I, I traded Trey Turner for him this past week, and I still think I absolutely smoked that deal. Um, he's going to provide you immediate impact. I don't care if he hits 200. You know, like he, we talked about Volpe a lot off the air and how Volpe has been struggling. He's batting under 200. This is not Anthony Volpe. He's going to provide you immense, immense counting stats as well as power. I think he's probably a 250 hitter off the bat. I I just think, you know, you look at the same kind of exit velocity O'Neill Cruz has. He's a switch hitter, which I've talked about before. Ellie's number one. Abbott's number two. And I, the only thing that keeps me from saying Abbott's going to be a top 40 out of the gate is, is the ballpark. I think you take him out of great American park. He's a top 40 major league pitcher in fantasy today. Um, but the ballpark is my only question mark. And then CES is third because you're going to have stretches where he's, he's struggling and um, you're going to have stretches also where he looks like Jorge Soler did last week. Yeah. Um, I agree. The only other thing I wanted to mention is Ellie De La Cruz has been trolling people on his Instagram. <laughs> yes, yeah. He put, um, I forget what song is by Post Malone. It's like, oh, say congratulations. And had a picture of him in a Reds outfit. And it looked like he was in um, like the major league um, ballpark. And that's what the day I picked him up. I was like, there was so much buzz on social media that he was getting called up based on what he was posting. And I think it's just him like nudging the reds like hey hey call me up come on i'm ready um so he's ready we're ready everybody's ready go get him all right outside of the reds and orioles who we seem to talk about every single week let's talk about some other names that could possibly be coming up and provide some value 
we're going to talk about pitchers because I think we've exhausted the hitters from this point, and it seems like pitchers are coming up every other week. Would you agree, Matt? Yeah, and and you know, other publications and podcasts have been talking all year about how like we're now down to double A. And I've always kind of scoffed at it because I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, down to double A. Like, this is how every season goes. Like, we burn through the triple A guys. We get to the real talent double A. But we're really starting to hit a threshold this season where I don't want to say we're running out of names. Um, it's more or less teams are running out of space because the guys that we currently have outside of one, I don't think we could find a spot in rotations for them. And that's a good problem for these teams, but it also showcases in at least one of them that they need to go and get hitting, which is a perfect pairing for the Orioles. Maybe they should start trading some players. All right, let's go down the list here. And I honestly, I think after we get through this, I don't even think we see all these guys, but I think three out of the five names we're going to talk about, I think we see at some point this season, whether it be June or July, and I don't think we see anybody else outside of this list as far as pitching prospects go. So start with the first one, and that is Ben Brown of the Chicago Cubs. He has been a fast riser, I think probably the biggest riser among all pitching prospects. He's currently a triple A for them. He started out at double A. He has 24 innings pitched, a 3.75 ERA at triple A. But he's got 36 strikeouts. Walk rate's a little high at 12. But, I mean, he's been absolutely dominant. In double-A, he had 20, 20 innings pitched with 30 strikeouts. I think we see him sooner rather than later. I don't I don't think there's much stopping him. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, no, um, I like him a lot. I think he's dominating. And there is just some concern from other publications that I listen to that temper expectations – uh, he may not be what we think he is in the majors. I don't have anything really more than that. I just wouldn't be out here in Dynasty Leagues looking at what he's done this season and saying, oh, my God, I have to get this. This is the next, you know, L, this is the next um, Yuri Perez. No, I, I think he's, he's going to be a really nice three in that rotation for the Cubs in a couple of years. Um, could be fun, streamable at the end of this season, you know, if, if he's even being given the innings. All right, let's move on to a trio of Los Angeles Dodgers. A first start was saying Gavin Stone was sent back down to AAA. Um, so I haven't said that. We'll start with the one who's the hottest, and it's somebody I picked up recently, and that's Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers. He is currently in AA. Um, so far this year, he has 44 innings pitched with 76 strikeouts to 18 walks. He's got a 1.64 ERA. I think he's ready for AAA, if not going to AA. Um, I mean, I didn't get to talk about him last time because of uh, Kenna getting woken up, and I was supposed to talk to him. Um, I did have in the notes that he is a one-pitch pitcher, but it's because his fastball is phenomenal. I think he gets a 70 grade, no, 65 grade by MLB, but he has been working on his changeup. It's plus-plus now at 60. And I read on Twitter, I forget which account, was he prioritized working on his slider and has improved it to make it a plus pitch, and his control has increased. So I personally haven't seen his slider as much as I've seen what his fastball can do, and it's filthy. Um, if his slider is plus and his changeup is now plus plus, 
and he's obviously worked on his control. I mean, I think I might have been underselling him, even though I went and picked him up. But we'll see. Um, before I move on, oh, go ahead, Matt. I was just gonna say it. It just it's absolutely heartbreaking that the Dodgers are rostering so many of these young prospects. Right. <laughs> because you, you, Walker's coming back next year, right? We, we we can presume that May will probably be okay. Uh, I think even with a flexor tendon surgery, I think he'll probably be back for next year. Kershaw, Julio Urias. Oh, and Urias is a free agent, so there you go. You, you open up a spot, but Walker fills that, right? Bobby Miller is going to be in this rotation. Oh, yeah. Barring Tommy John. Um, so it's really Gavin Stone, Sheehan, um, and then the couple names we're about to mention, it's like, it's a dog, it's a dog fight, right? And I'm sure Sheehan probably becomes that version of Bobby Miller, what we were seeing last year into this year and just solidifies himself as the next guy. But the next couple names we have on this list, it's like, you guys are going to be traded. Like it's, it's almost a guarantee. They may keep one for depth, but they're just developing a gold mine at this point. Yeah, there's actually uh, another name on here that we didn't put on our list, but let's let's just stay in order. Let's go to the next one, which is Kyle Hurt. Um, he is currently at their Double A affiliate, and he has 27 innings pitched with 50 strikeouts, a 1.33 ERA, so even better than Emmett Sheehan, but the strikeout rate is a little bit less. And he's got nine walks in that 27 innings, so probably on par. But he's phenomenal just as well. Let's look at his grades. He gets his fastball and change are not as good, but his curve slider are above average. Um, so it's a little bit of mix. Like Kyle Hurts, like above average in all four of his pitches, where Emmett Sheehan's above or like phenomenal in two. Well, and okay, and in the other two. When you look at Hurts' so, game log, he hasn't pitched at least when I checked this week more than four innings. Um, he could be a candidate for bullpen. He could be a guy that's kind of slotted into the original Josh Hader, um, Michael King role, where it's like, hey, you're, you're the guy. Like, when we need you, you're going to go pitch maybe two innings tonight, and you're going to utilize that off-speed stuff. You know, I could see him being a guy that's like kind of what um, Gonsolin was early in his career, where it's like maybe you'll get your shot yeah, in the rotation. Yeah, that's another one we forgot. Yeah, there's Gonsolin. <laughs> like and then we forgot to mention Ryan Pepio, who is well, you think he's, I think that boat has sailed. I don't He's He's probably a bullpen arm. Yep. Okay, let's move on. The next one I had you throw in was Nick Frasso, also at AA. And he gets a phenomenal grade on his fastball, 70. And in AA, he's got a .91 ERA with 29 and two-thirds pitched with 40 strikeouts to five walks. So his strikeout rate yep. is not as great, but his walk rate is great, and his ERA and run suppression is better than the other two. Um, he gets average grades on his slider change of three pitch, better control grades. Um, so that's another one. Um, before I get your take on that, I want to mention the last one, and that is Landon Knack of the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he's also in double A. And guess what? He's sporting a 1.32 ERA in 41 innings. He's got 45 strikeouts to only seven walks. So, so. The, yeah, plethora. I will say about Frasso, um, I think Frasso was actually in our rundown that we talked about a few weeks ago. Because um, we I, up until then, I don't Is think that we one that heard I of him. That I, was... I think so. Um, and I had brought up then, Frasso's 24. He will be 25 in October. So... 
we're talking about a guy, I think this is the prime candidate for the Dodgers to trade for a team to literally trade for and then, like, Oakland, immediately bring him up. I'm pretty sure they just traded for Frasso last year. So he was Toronto Blue Jays, 2020, uh, fourth-round pick out of uh, Loyola Marymount. So college arm. Uh, I don't know necessarily who they would have acquired for him, though. So while you look that up, I have a name that I want to toss out there before we get to our final name here. Um, that's Jordan Mitch Wicks. White next day, Jesus. Okay. So, I mean, they didn't give up Mitch a lot. Mitch White was a reliever. Yeah, I mean, Mitch White was one of Alex these guys Jesus. two, three years ago that we were talking about. That was like, oh, he's kind of nice, like good numbers, a little bit older in the minor leagues. Like they basically just flipped him. For a younger for version a younger of him, version. <laughs> and then they're gonna flip him. And then they're gonna flip him again. They're like they're like uh, they're like us and Madden with yeah. swapping. Just draft. keep dra- draft. Just keep the draft picks coming because my roster is good right now. My cap in two years is about to take an absolute hit. All right. Okay. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go um, ahead. Continue with what you're saying. Jordan Wicks putting up a pretty good Double A season. It is in the Southern League. We talked about that last time, and it's concerning to me. Because he's got great numbers. Four wins, nine starts, nine games, 240 ERA, whip sitting at .94. All nice. Um, but at 41 innings, he only has 48 strikeouts. And again, this is the tack ball Southern League. So my curiosity with Jordan Wicks is, is he a strikeout pitcher or has he just been working on things in Double A? Jordan Wicks, 23 years old, will be 24 uh, September 1st. So, you know, he, he's ready to come up, at least in age. He was the Cubs' first-round pick in 2021 out of Kansas State. So we have the college pedigree. Uh, you look at his 2022 numbers, he did have a decent strikeout. He was plus per nine. In 2022, he had 94 innings. He had 121 strikeouts between two levels in the minor leagues, and that was high A as well as double A. 28 innings in double A, 35 strikeouts, 66 innings in high A, 86 strikeouts. Big difference there because of the college pedigree. I think there's a chance Jordan Wicks does also get the call as well as Ben Brown this year. Wicks, though, look for end of season. Uh, Might be a guy that you get for three or four starts at most at the major league level, getting him ready for the 2024 season. And the last name we have on our list, which is probably the highest upside. Yep out of the remaining ones, and that is Gavin Williams, starting pitcher for the Cleveland Guardians, and he's also doing well. He's now at Triple A, started out the year at Double A, but at Triple A, he's got a 2.25 ERA and 32 innings pitched. He has 42 strikeouts. Walk rates, okay, at 13 walks. Whips right exactly at one. Thing is, is who does he play over? They got Aaron Savali coming back. They got Tristan McKenzie coming back. Logan Allen and Tanner Bybee are also performing. You still have Shane Bieber. I mean, they've, they're like the Dodgers. They got a plethora of starting pitchers that they can't go wrong with whatever they choose to do. Um, there's another guy that's like Aaron Savale that I'm, um, that I'm forgetting. Uh, Cal Quantrill. Cal Quantrill. Yeah, I think, yeah. but there's another guy I'm thinking of that's, Sub, oh, Zach, please stack. Those well, are the three names that don't belong in the rotation, and any of these guys would be better off being in that rotation. It's hard because let's start from the top, right? We have Bieber, number one. We have um, McKenzie, number two. Um, three, help me with three. Who would be their, their third? So you got Bieber, McKenzie as one, two, yep. right? Yep. Um, let's take out, let's take out, please sack. 
uh, Quantrill, Savali, and Savali. So it, it probably then goes by B3. Logan Allen. Uh, yeah, I, would right. go Logan, I would go Logan Allen based on how they called him up. Okay, Logan Allen. Then Bybee's four, and, and Williams would be five. I, I genuinely think they are trading Bieber before the deadline. And I think that's going to solve a lot of our problems. I think they probably trade Bieber. I think they probably trade Quantrill or Quantrill and Savali. Um, I think we see at least two of them moved, which will open the door for Williams. Because at this point, their offense is not good enough to compete. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm trying to think of... I mean, we're not the Guardians, but I guarantee you they view Aaron Savali and Cal Quantrill ahead of them. Like, Aaron Savali probably is ahead of Tanner Bybee, Logan Allen, and who am I forgetting? Cal Quantrill, for sure. Yeah, uh, just a little update. Um, you probably got this as well. Diego Cartaya, I've kind of watched him over the last couple of weeks starting traded? to pick it up. Uh, no. Not uh, traded, but did hit another home run today. Three home runs. Um, he had three home runs before May 28th, but he is starting to, to figure it out. This is an interesting catching name that I think will be traded at the deadline if the Dodgers need something. And I think unlike uh, Ruiz, I think we could have a guy that's actually found fantasy relevant if he's given the opportunity to play. If I remember correctly, he is also 23, so he's at the age where he's ready to come up. Uh, just just a name to throw out there and keep your eyes on over the next month. Yeah, that's very interesting. I, Yeah, the Dodgers need to trade some people, but like, what are they going to do, trade for Trey Turner again? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, there's Bieber. Like, we, yeah. you know, like, it can't hurt to. I, I would rather, as the Dodgers, start Bieber in the playoffs or in September than start Sheehan. Sheehan's oh. nice, right? I'd rather start Bieber than, than Miller. Am I going to give these guys up for Bieber? No, but when you have Will Smith blocking Cartaya. That would suck. Hey, we'll give you Emmett Sheehan for Shane Bieber. Oh, great. Now Emmett Sheehan is still stuck, <laughs> still behind, stuck the Guardians. behind the Guardians. Bullshit, yeah. Although I do I do think at least some of these guys are ready to go to AAA. Emmett Sheehan and Landon Knack uh, primarily, I think, are ready. Kyle Hurt and Nick Frasso, I think, could do, spend a little more time, more seasoning at AA. But I want to see what Emmett Sheehan and... Landon Knack can do at Triple A for sure. I'd be curious to see if they continue it or if it is a mirage. So that'll be interesting. Well, and the last thing I was going to say about the Indians too is if if they genuinely intend to move the asset that is Quantrill, Savali, Bieber, they have to continue to pitch them at the major league level. You can't give the perception of the league that you don't value them. So you you have to continue to keep that perception high and. I think that's a really interesting balancing uh, technique we're seeing from both the Dodgers and the Indians. The Dodgers seem to have done it better. The Indians waited too long. They should have traded a few of these guys and let Bybee and let Allen up to begin the season. And they just thought they were going to be a competitive team, and they're still okay, but their offense is just anemic, and that's not going to change. That's why you trade some pitching for some hitting. So last Absolutely. thing, Richie, I was uh, I was requested uh, to bring up a little troll on the podcast. Uh, oh God. Josh Jung had a very nice game yeah, today. Yeah, he's been texting me all day. And uh, I did hear from him that you had to put him on mute. Um, it He's hitting 291 <laughs> now, and he I think he hit his 12th home run today. 
This is uh, this is not what I expected uh, of Josh Young. We, we kind of talked about that oh, this offseason. He's off overperforming what I thought he'd do, too. Yeah, and the whole team is, right? I mean, I projected the, the Rangers to have a good season, but not this kind of offensive explosion. And it's interesting because I'm starting to wonder if it's the environment or if it's just that this baseball team is clicking because Josh Young is he, he's playing at an elite level. These numbers are what we expected out of Manny Machado to this point in the season. Is that correct? Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. I yes, mean, it is. listen, we we've all made mistakes, right? Like this isn't yeah. a, this isn't this a is knock on you. one of my bigger one. Um and again, we've talked about this before. Machado can be traded this offseason. You know, you you can recoup this. It's just it's a reminder much like Riley Green and not the same effect level of Josh Young, but like it it's hard to hold on to guys because we've seen so many falter before. And I, 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 I Oh yeah, absolutely. Like <clears throat> go ahead. In hindsight, in hindsight, going back at that moment in time, I probably still do that trade all over again. It just sucks right now because Manny Machado's sitting on the IL and I'm starting Jake Berger. So the player I traded for is not producing anything for me. But, you know, I still like Manny Machado, um, even long-term, even at his price point. I still think he rebounds, assuming that this wrist is fully healed. And I do like that the Padres are playing it safe with him and making sure he heals all the way. I like what the Astros did with Jose Altuve and not rushing him back. And look, he hits a grand slam yesterday. I'd rather have him be out sitting on my IL for an extra week or two than him come back early and play like trash and be Alex Kirloff where, you know, he's going to have wrist problems the rest of his career. So, um, it stings right now. Um, but I will say that I am hopeful for the future and hopefully come playoff time, Manny Machado is producing and if he's playing better than Josh Young, I'll be happy. Well, and you've, you made the choice this season to go all in much like I did last oh, year. Yes. Um, and we're we seeing out it doesn't pay off. <laughs> it doesn't. Well, it didn't pay off for me last year. And, and it was funny because I had taken the advice from podcast 361, um, which is a dynasty podcast I've listened to and I've shared with you. You're not as, you're not as enjoying as I am of it, but one yeah, of the co-hosts on that show kind of just came out and said when one of the episodes last year, he's like, if you're in the, if you're in the chance for the money and the championship in a you dynasty league, it. you go for it. And I'd always kind of been like, I'm going to play, I'm going to play two feet in, you know, one foot out. And I was like, all right, screw it. I'm going to see what happens. And the point I'm bringing this up is because I'm a year later and I honestly am happier with my roster today than I would have been had I not made my moves. So well, that's the thing is, is you and I are not to toot our own horn, but we're fairly savvy where we can like, we're doing this podcast for a reason to help correct. you guys find the next thing. Like Junior Caminero is the next, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but like, I mean, he's last year's Jackson Churio. He could be the next Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna. Now, those are lofty expectations, but if he keeps doing this at double A and he goes to triple A, I mean, the Rays aren't going to call him up because they're the Rays, but he very well could be the next, you know, top prospect that just ascends to the top. And you probably still can get him in regular keeper leagues, maybe even in some dynasty leagues, if you're playing against some you know, people who don't pay attention to the lower minors. Yeah, well, and <clears throat> you got to go for it. You know, sometimes you swing and you miss. Sometimes you swing and you hit a home run. Um, it's too early for Verlander. It's too early for Machado. And what I was going to say about Machado is you need to let this team get cooking in June. 
you know, and that's kind of when he's kind of projected to come back. And well, even yeah, if it's July, look at, look at Juan Soto. Um, not to cut you off, but I have Soto and Machado and Young all in my categories team. And I started out really rough, like in last place. I'm now in first place because Juan Soto has turned it around. Josh Young is absolutely on fire. You know, Manny Machado could be in the same boat of turning around just like Juan Soto was before getting that wrist injury. He was on the up and up um, the week before he broke his hand when he went down to Mexico City and hit like two home runs, or maybe three home runs. Now, granted, it's higher elevation, but, you know, maybe that was the jump start that Juan Soto needed to get back on, and that's probably what Manny Machado needed. So maybe this IL stint gets his head right. Yeah, it's to be determined. You know, we'll have to reevaluate this. Um... Yeah, well, we'll touch back on this topic um, maybe in a month or so, see yep. how it's going. Well, that is all we have on our rundown for tonight. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. Until then, we'll talk to you later.